Ladies and gentlemen, we are back again. As the great Funkadelic Railroad kind of R&B band, The Whispers, used to say, and the beat goes on. That is a, one of the great songs of R&B. If you haven't noticed, I have listened to that song today. I can't get it out of my head. It's a great song. But the beat goes on all summer long and into week one of preseason NFL football here on the Sunday card. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silver. And, of course, our producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone. He knew exactly who the whispers were when I said it. He, he knew. He knew what was going on. I know he knew. Of course. Of course, Louis. Uh, it is week one of the preseason, getting set, getting ready to go. Um, we today are going to be looking ahead to some of the week one of the regular season lines. We will also be breaking down the AFC West, which just so happens to be Matty Ice's division with his Denver Broncos. And I'll be very excited to see where you have those Broncos listed here, Matty. Yes, uh, definitely a team where some categories are going to be much higher than others and some uh, some weaknesses. Uh, but AFC West, definitely a very deep division. Uh, a division that people like at least two teams, maybe three teams to come out of. Uh, me being one thinking three teams, which, you know, it might be a long shot. But uh, the Denver Broncos also, again, did welcome the sheriff, Peyton Manning, into the Hall of Fame over the weekend. Uh, you know, we had the Hall of Fame game. We had our first game of preseason week one. You have a game coming up this Thursday with your New England Patriots. So we're just getting right into it. It's we are in full football season. There's nothing else on TV. I'll tell you that. Me and Lou's watching summer league, and I'm watching the Little League World Series while this is oh. going on. So you know, there is just nothing happening in the sports world. So we need football back. You're watching the Munchkins play out in Williamsport. Goodness gracious! That you, that's when you know it's bad. NBA summer league. I know Lewis can get into that all day long. By the way, congratulations, United States. America Olympic gold medal four in a row. Huge, huge, huge congratulations. Um, Olympics over. NFL Hall of Fame game. It was, as we thought it would be, uh, kind of a comedy of errors in the, Hall, in the Hall of Fame game. I think there were like five turnovers or six turnovers in the game. Um, everybody, by the way, there was a, there was a great, like, there was a great, um, bet out there that somebody people were giving out and said bet the under the under over under was like 32 and a half and everybody said i don't think that's hit in 10 years and of course again it happened again where the under hit at 32 and a half which was hilarious so a little locked in bet that we could have mentioned on the show should have mentioned on it last week to give you but hall of fame very exciting congratulations to all of them especially the sheriff peyton manning having um gotten in First ballot, no question about it. John Lynch, another Bronco, by the way, getting in. Um, again, another tail end of the career Bronco uh, getting in as well. And Charles Woodson, if Chris was here, we'd probably talk about Charles Woodson and Tom Flores and, and the reincarnation, how Cliff Branch and all the great Raiders of the past need to all be in the Hall of Fame forever. Uh, but that bronze bust lasts for 40,000 years, and it was really good. They kind of sped up. Uh, sped people up on their acceptance speeches, especially Peyton. I was kind of hoping that he would have a little bit more to say, but um, it seems like it was a it was a great time all around. And the game was as little bit disappointing 
uh, drew like 7.9 million viewers, which was as many as like World Series and NBA Finals games draw. <laughs> so just tells you the NFL is king, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Even for a meaningless, absolutely meaningless, horrible <laughs> first game of the year. But again, it's the first game of the year. Football is back. People are so desperate. People are on bended knee to have <laughs> this sport back. And I am so freaking excited for Thursday. Now, living down here in Virginia, I'm very nervous that it's going to get blacked out with Washington. But it better not. Otherwise, you know, we're, we're all set with the streamings, right, Lewis? Like, we, we, we know how to get it if we need to get it. So um, we'll have it all ready to go on Thursday for Pats and Washington as well. But this week, we are going to get into the AFC Western Division. This division is obviously full of up-and-comers and full of the team that everybody is chasing in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs won this division last year, only had two losses on the season, two of them to division rivals. That would be the Raiders and the Chargers in Week 17 in a meaningless game. They went all the way to the Super Bowl. And then injuries abound with the Kansas City Chiefs. They lose an offensive line, a couple of offensive line. Eric Fisher is now gone. Uh, and they have they get absolutely shellacked and bombarded and bamboozled by the defensive line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. However, they are still the two-time defending AFC champions. They still have a stranglehold on the AFC as far as we look at on paper. But there are teams rising, cream rising to the top, as Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers, as the defense of the Denver Broncos. And anything can happen in Las Vegas. By the way, flew into Vegas on my way back from Lake Tahoe. That stadium looks like it was going to vaporize me, and that there was a green laser beam about to shoot our plane down. It was so scary looking. And I can't wait to see people in that stadium. But, Maddie, let us begin with the quarterbacks. I think we know who we're going number one. But I'm interested to hear two through four. So the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah. So we'll start the list off at the top with Drew Locke. Um, no, um, <laughs> uh, clearly, clearly, uh, we could put Patrick Mahomes in the very number one spot. I almost made Dan just choke on his on almost his, choked. on his delicious beer. <laughs> he didn't he didn't realize what I was saying at first. Um, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, you know. He is the man. He is the uh, the Prince of Darkness, uh, as as Dan has named him. So he is number one on this list. Um, number two, the the kid wonder last year, Justin Herbert for the Chargers. Again, he had over forty three hundred yards, thirty one touchdowns, only ten interceptions in his first year as a rookie. So in fifteen games, uh, you know who knows where we'd be with Justin Herbert if Tyrod Taylor didn't get his lung punctured in week two. What a weird freak thing that was to launch this guy into into his NFL career, and he never forgot about after that. that, right? So so strange. Uh, it was day of day of the game too. Um, this one was hard to do. I guess not really, but Derek Carr in the three spot, um, and then at the bottom is is Denver with just the two with either Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Drew Locke is is in theory has more upside because we haven't seen him as much. And then you've got Teddy Game Manager, who's just going to bounce from place to place, playing on teams that have a good defense, trying to just manage a game and, and get teams through. Not that he's that bad. I think that could work really well in Denver this year. But uh, reports out of camp are seeming like they really want to at least give Drew Locke the start um, and then, you know, probably a short leash from there. 
if the defense is playing well. So, unfortunately, yeah, Denver at the bottom of that list of what could have been if Aaron Rodgers ended up coming over this way. But, you know, it is what it is next year, next season. Next next season. Because he's probably going to get traded after this season. But who would you prefer, to be honest with you? Would you prefer Bridgewater or Locke right now? Um, I just I think with the team structure, I think Bridgewater. I do understand wanting to at least again start with Locke because it doesn't make any sense to bring Teddy in and then pull him to go to Locke afterwards. That just doesn't feels like it doesn't flow as well. You got to have like the younger one in there who's also the tenured quarterback on the team at least. So he's had a chance if he can limit the mistakes. That is really his problem. Sixteen touchdowns last year, fifteen interceptions. I mean. Gotta limit the turnovers, and he never played until the fourth quarter started. Anyway, he would just start slinging the rock like crazy. But if you can limit the uh, limit the mistakes early on, give him a chance. But I don't know. I think just Teddy is that safe guy there. That if this defense is playing really well, they could put him in and try and ride as you know again ride to maybe a wild card spot. A nice eight and nine season. Uh, just looking at the numbers between the two: twenty nine hundred yards for Locke, thirty seven hundred yards for Bridgewater. 7.6 yards of throw for Bridgewater, 6.6 yards per throw for Locke. Here's the biggest discrepancy. Bridgewater had a 92 rating last year. Drew Locke, 75.4 quarterback rating. That is yuck. That is yeah. absolutely yuck. And as you mentioned, the 16 and 15 and the touchdown interception ratio where Bridgewater was 15 and 11. Bridgewater did not have that bad of a year, um, especially with, you know, some of the weapons that he had around him with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. I think you're right. I think, I think Bridgewater, at least unless there's a development in camp they're looking at. And again, the, the guys that are running the offense are named Pat Shermer and, and others, you know, like we talk about with the Broncos and their old fart kind of coaching staff. Um, not to say it's bad, but just to say that it's old and decrepit mm. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't excite you, but, it, there is still experience there. I think this team will be definitely predicated on their weaponry and the outside and then their defense. But I think clearly number four, this was the easiest lock-in with one and four, no pun intended. Mahomes number one and Bridgewater and Locke at number four because the other two are actually comparable to each other. Um, to me, I do think, though, that Herbert, I give him the slightest of edges. Derek Carr was not bad last year. Derek Carr, actually, oh. when you compare him to Herbert, he had eight yards of throw. Herbert, 7.3. Um, you know, roughly the same percentage compared to completion percentage. I thought Herbert, as a rookie, though, and his intangibles and his size and his huge arm, um, that does it for me. 31 and 10 as far as the touchdown to interception ratio compared to 27 and 9. Um, but if you look at Carr, Carr had 101 quarterback rating. He did pretty freaking well. But again, Herbert was only a rookie and having a 98.3 quarterback rating to me, uh, that's otherworldly. You don't throw for 4,300 yards and 31 touchdowns as a rookie. Like that just does not happen. He seems like the next like Josh Allen without the running ability, the next just monster big time quarterback, um, bigger guy, bigger player. Again, huge arm. What Carr has, I think Carr kind of keeps that team afloat despite their coach and despite maybe the less weaponry that they might have. But I do think that Herbert, it was close. 
it's it's not like there's not a lot of wiggle room between the two, but I do think Herbert has the bigger upside than Carr this year. Yeah, again, I was talking with this with Lou a little bit prior to the show. Uh, as far as how I am feeling, maybe a little Justin Herbert regression coming this year. Everybody again is is having him projected to just go to the moon. Rookie season's great, and now the you know we all know how that works. In the NFL every it's perfect now. Everything is the same from year to year, right? I mean, season to season, players just get better as we expect them to. So I am on the train that maybe a little bit of regression for Herbert again. Everybody gets tape on these guys, a full you know full off season of planning, especially for other teams in the division like Chiefs. Um, so, and I, you know, ties along with a, to a tongue of ILO, maybe getting a little bit better, but that's, that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, I do expect maybe a little bit of Herbert regression this year. It'll be interesting to see. The Chargers have a ton of hype around them. Dare, dare I use the term sophomore slump? Mm, I mean, it's a, it's a term for a reason, Dan. That saying is around. Everybody's heard that term prior to you saying it for a reason. It's like one of those things that, uh, you know, people kind of say as a cliche, but the cliche sometimes is the truth. You yes, never, sir. ever know. I uh, remember with Cam Newton, his rookie year and how crazy that was. And he had a sophomore slump and then added a couple other good years. And now he's hernia throwing all over the place. So we'll see what happens <laughs> with Herbert. I don't think that's Herbert's fate. I think he's going to be a great quarterback, though. I do. I do like his future. Let's go to the running back room. I will start this one. This was a toughie. So this was, this was really hard. I, I all I think the top two that I have here I feel confident in, but you know I could you could make an argument for I think any four if you really wanted to. Um, to me, I'll start with number four. Crazy enough, I had the Chiefs um, with Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards-Helaire. I, I I loved what Clyde Edwards-Helaire did last year in thirteen games, eight hundred yards rushing four touchdowns. He caught, I think, 350 yards as well, uh, receiving. I mean, he's a really good back. He's a really good back, and he was worth every uh, – he was worth the, the last pick in the draft for uh, the first round. But outside of him, what do I see? I see three third down backs. I see I see uh, Williams, Darnell Williams. I see Darwin Thompson. I see Jarek McKinnon. Um, this team does not need amazing running back play to be good. I don't think that they're a great running back room. I think that they are a average to good running back room with a, with a talent that can soar. Now, why I have the Broncos in third and why I have the Chiefs in fourth is because I do think Javante Williams' ceiling could be a bit higher than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I really do. I really like him coming out as a rookie. It's not often. Sometimes with rookies, you got to take a couple shots. you got to take a couple swings for the fences. And I do like Javante Williams a lot to be a very similar to how Clyde Edwards-Hilaire plays and will be an impact on that offense. You throw in Melvin Gordon on top of that and Royce Freeman uh, to back them up in the third spot to come in and, uh, in situational football. I do like the Broncos just barely a hair, a slight, of, a slight headly, slightly ahead, I can't talk, of the Chiefs. Number two, tough call again. I went with the Chargers. I went Eckler and Josh Jackson, uh, Justin Jackson, rather, um, with you com- combined Josh Kelly, who added some tough playing time last year with Eckler being hurt. Eckler, pound for pound uh, and size-wise, is is probably pound for pound, maybe one of the best running backs in football. Um, whatever they get out of the rookie round tree will be an expert. But I do like the way that they have Eckler and Jackson 
have been a nice tandem. And now Josh Kelly can, can add to that with some of his experience. But the Raiders have two RB1s. They have Josh Jacobs and they have Kenyon Drake. And uh, that combination, although I don't think it was a prudent move offensively for them to have to shore up their running back room, Kenyon Drake is still a nice player to have to back up your number one in Josh Jacobs. You add in Jalen Richard. Yes, still got everybody's favorite, like, hope to break out this season in Bo Scarborough in that room as well. <laughs> so, um, but I do like the Raiders number one. I did not think this would happen at all, but we have the same exact list. Wow. I, I, I said, I, I thought this one, we could have had an inverse list of each other. That's how close this, this, these really? categories were. But I, I kind of see the same thing, see it the same way you do. You know, I said Kansas, Kansas City, as much as we like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, we both like him, you know, coming out of LSU. Um, he, he did enough last year, but he wasn't, he wasn't over the top. He wasn't fantastic as people began projecting him all, you know, cause the chiefs running back position is such a valuable spot, especially talking a little more fantasy esque right now, I guess um, that it's such a valuable spot. But yeah, like I said, the other backs are, are just a lot of speed guys, obviously that they have speed all over, all over their offense, Denver in third, because Melvin Gordon could arguably be the best singular running back in the division all around. Uh, because as much as I, I like Eckler, like what you alluded to, he's fantastic at what he does. He doesn't do it all as far as running between the tackles. And, uh, you know, it felt like he almost wanted to consider him in the wide receiver category when we were making these lists. Um, but that, the combination of Eckler and Jackson at two, and then the same reasoning that you have at one, that Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake are both like bona fide number ones. Like if you put these guys on other teams, who'd be a number one? Those guys could both make a, you know, be a lead back in a team. So. I kind of saw it the same exact way, which is which was shocking. Yeah, wouldn't Miami like to have one of those guys at number one right now, or you know Arizona? I mean, I know Drake. <laughs> both I said they had guys. Kenyon Drake <laughs> or Houston. You know, like I mean, wouldn't got wouldn't wouldn't teams like that like to have Kenyon Drake as their number one? Like I feel like you, you named you named the two teams that he just played for in the past two seasons. <laughs> I know. I'm looking at that like they they had Kenyon Drake. No, I, maybe they know something I don't. I mean, I think Kenyon Drake is a really, really you know, solid, productive back that can be an RB1 and potentially in some bad team. So, um, no, I completely agree with you on your list. How about pass catchers, Maddie? This, man, this one, this is another one. This is like, I feel like every team is like loaded. This might be the most loaded wide receiver division in football. Yeah, I, I could see. I, I definitely like, I thought the running backs were contentious. And then this is, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, maybe I'm seeing it the same way as you, but I think we might be very similar at the same time. So Las Vegas to me is not loaded at all. I understand that they've got Henry Ruggs and they've got Edwards and Hunter Renfro. And then Darren Waller is really what's hard to have them sitting in the four spot for me. It, it, but I still, man, actually, I don't know. I feel like on the fly right now, I think that tilting, they live tilting right now. Yeah, as as you just said, how we listened to shows last year, and we should not live tilt anymore. But I am going to make a live tilt. The Chargers are last because again, you have so you have Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is underwhelmed. Mike Williams is uh, underwhelming for me. He's got all the he's he's got all the athleticism in the world, but he never comes down with the ball half the time. So they and then they lose their third option. Um, and Hunter Henry, who I think it was was only there half the time anyway. They bring in Jared Cook, but I'm not going to give 34-year-old Jared Cook too much credit. And then on that, I don't know any of the wide receivers in that room. At least Vegas, you know, does – they do have Ruggs, 
Hunter Renfro really was a good piece for them in the slot last year, really did play well. And then Darren Waller is a top three tight end of the league along with Kelsey and Kittle. So I, I do, I should give Vegas that bump up to the third spot. I do have Denver in the number two. I mean, I just, I maybe call me, call it bias here. I don't know where you have them, but I think the combinations of, of Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy at the wide receiver position, they kind of all give you something different there. Um, Sutton, just the body Hamler with the speed and Judy with just crispy, crispy route running. And then you got a big guy in Noah Fant at the tight end position who, who's, who's kind of a freak. So um, he had a little bit of a breakout last year and they're expecting more. And then obviously number one, Kansas city, I think Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey alone are arguably number one at their positions in the entire league. Kelsey definitely is. Uh, and Hill is, you know, a top three wide receiver. So I think that alone, along with just all the speed that they have, I love, I have a note here that they added Antonio Callaway, like another guy that is an absolute burner with not the best hands. So more speed for the chiefs. Um, and that is how that list shook out for me. Very curious of what you have to say here. Sheesh. So <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, I have the Chargers number four. I I do. I have the same thing. I have I have I look at Keenan Allen. I say Keenan Allen is in terms of route running, right up there with Devontae Adams in terms of route running ability and wide receiver. He's top ten wide receiver, no question about it. Um, dominant. Mike Williams, injury-prone, like you said, is not necessarily reliable. You lose Hunter Henry and you replace him with 34-year-old Jared Cook. It's like, you know, Cook is a good tight end if you have multiple tight ends in your system. That's why I think he was successful in New Orleans. I think he's successful in a lot of places. Um, And I think maybe he's a little underrated in some respects. But outside of those guys, I mean, who am I looking at? Rookie Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. Tyron Johnson. Jalen Guyton, who had a couple of long touchdown catches last year. It's 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 a bare cupboard after those three guys. And and you know, those three guys have to stay healthy for them. My number two and three were the hardest to pick against, and I actually never decided. I went into this, I said, I'm gonna make a live decision because I cannot decide between Denver and and the Raiders. I look at Denver and I see so much talent at the receiver position. I see four guys that I just love in Hamler, uh, who's basically their, their Tyreek Hill or quote unquote Henry Ruggs. Um, Sutton being back is so huge. Tim Patrick had a massive year last year for them. And probably the best guy outside of Tyreek Hill is Jerry Judy uh, in the division. So, you know, you add those guys. Fant is a good, not great tight end. I'm waiting for him to kind of break out a little bit more. I expected a little more from him. Uh, Alberto sitting behind him was the top tight end in his class. That's what I see from Denver. But I also see from Vegas, Henry Ruggs again. They bring in that Brian Edwards, I think, is, is an underrated player. Hunter Renfro, really good out of the slot. They bring in John Brown. A lot of speed, very similar to how Kansas City is with their um, with their offense. I think they want Ruggs to be their Tyree Kill, and he's never going to be that. But you know, that's what they see him as potential. Um, but you throw in Darren Waller and that really just Waller is such a freak athletically. I think I would also put the Raiders though. Number three, I just, I really like the Broncos and, and what they have weapon wise. The Broncos are a quarterback away from a Super Bowl contender. 
I mean, they really, really are. And it's because of the weaponry that they've built up. I almost had the Broncos number one, actually. I was very mm. close to having them number one. Um, but like you said, that combo of Hill and Kelsey is deadly. It is so – you forget how scary it is to have to deal with them because the last game you saw, you know, Tampa just had a fantastic game plan for them. Um, but they're deadly. And everybody else and, – and if you go back to the first game that Tampa played against them, Tyreek Hill had like 250 yards in the first quarter and like four touchdowns. So to me, it's Kansas City. It's Kansas City. It's Kansas City. I like – you know, Hardman is ridiculous. Robinson is good. Pringle – Add something. They add Callaway. Watch out for this kid Cornell Powell, by the way, out of Clemson. Like, just just watch out. Like, I'm just saying that kid can play football in this league. I'm telling you, he is a freak of nature. Some say the next Metcalf. It is. It could be scary. Uh, clearly not as like freakishly athletic, but he is that big. So watch out for him. But yeah, Kansas City. Sucks watching them just have so much talent. It's freaking crazy. Yeah, it's annoying to keep putting them at the number one position over and over and over again. But they finished number one in the standings over and over and over again. So I guess that is where they belong. Do they belong a number one defense, though, in the AFC West? Curious, Maddie, on what you think about the defenses in this league. There is a lot of moving parts and pieces to all of these defenses this year, especially when it comes to coaching. So coaching has kind of tied into the defenses as well for this year in the AFC West. Yeah. So uh, we'll start at the bottom here uh, on this one. I, we'll build up. I, we won't just spoil it off the top if the Chiefs are the number one team, but starting at the bottom is going to be, is going to be the Raiders again. I know, yes, they bring in Yannick and Gakwe, but the secondary is just still I, – I don't love it. I don't love the names out there that they have at corner. They have Jonathan Abram, who I, I personally can't stand as he just only takes dumb penalties and suspensions and all this other stuff. They take Trayvon Morig out of TCU uh, as to go as their free safety. But still too many holes on that line, uh, on that line really in their linebacking core uh, for sure. They bring over Nick Kwiatkowski from Chicago, but – We'll see how he how he does not playing on uh, on that defensive unit. Uh, number three, I have I do have the Chargers. I know everybody likes the Chargers, and and as you said, this is a a huge one where coaching is going to come into it as Brandon Staley comes over from uh, the other side of town uh, with the Rams and the number one defense that he had last year as their DC. So, you know, I, I think just looking at their roster, I would have them number number three, but definitely has have the ability to you know be a very good defense this year under Staley. I have the Broncos at number two. Uh, I, I just think that getting back, getting back, having Nick Chubb and Von Miller, hopefully on each side of that line for more than like a few games in a season. If that happens for 16 games, even just 12, 13 games a season, um, along with the revamp secondary that we've talked about previous shows, what they did uh, with adding, uh, they, they draft Patrick Sertan, which is just, uh, you know, a great ad. If you're not going to add Justin Fields, it's a good secondary option. Um, they they bring in Ronald uh, Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby to play the nickel, um, and, and they've already got you know a, a decent enough linebacking core. So I have them too, and I still have Kansas City number one. Just what they did last year, um, you know they they still got good corners. They can still you know they they can get some pass rush. They sign uh, Chris you know Chris Jones is is on a on a big contract now, the big man in the middle that kind of solidifies that line and their run defense. So. 
it's part of their offense that they're always up so much and that these teams do have to play pretty desperate against their defense that they're able to capitalize on mistakes. But I do still have, just based on what they have last season and going to this one, that they're still probably top of this division. So the previous three categories, we all we both were four for four on all of them. Correct. Um, with this one, we do have a disagreement. Mm. Uh, I do have the Raiders number four. Uh, I think that's clearly like not even, I mean, <laughs> not even close. What they this the nonsense that they did dismantling not only their offensive line now their defensive line. I mean, you look at this from top to bottom. Bringing in Ngakwe, Ngakwe's been on three teams in four years. I mean, and there's a reason for it because as soon as he rushes the quarterback, oh, quarterback steps up in the pocket, he's running into the other end zone. I mean, the the guy is just like doesn't understand the concept of. Hey, come back when the quarterback steps up in the pocket sometimes. You might get a few more sacks. Linebacker core is not that good. It's small. They're very small. This cornerback room is full of guys that have big names coming out of the draft and just haven't done anything. Trayvon Mullen has done nothing. Abram has been the biggest disappointment of anybody for the amount of crap he talked in at Hard Knocks. He was a Hard Knocks favorite guy. Like that that that's how you know. He was a Hard Knocks guy. So Morig, we'll see what he is. Damon Arnett, big time first name out of Ohio State. Amik Robertson was a was a, a favorite in the draft. Like none of these guys have panned out. None of them. And, and you know, to me, the worst one of all is Cleveland Farrell. Well, they drafted like yeah. number four overall. I mean, Max Crosby's been the best pass rusher, and he's not even starting, at least right now on the depth chart. This is a very disappointing. And by the way, they bring over Gus Bradley who coached the Chargers defense, who was awful, who tore, who got torched, torched in the run game by the Raiders last year. So Gruden looks at that and says, no, let's bring that guy over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what are we talking about here? So the Raiders is clearly number four. Number three is the Chargers. Um, just from a on-paper standpoint, if their coach can coach them up and brings over what he's been taught and learned in L.A. with the Rams, I think they could be really good. I need to see it. Uh, I like Kenneth Murray in the middle. Led the league. Uh, led led all rookies in linebacking. Led all rookies in tackles last year. Can Derwin James stay healthy? That's a big question mark. Outside of that, it's Joey Bosa and guys that need to step up. They have a great pass rusher. They have a great safety who needs to stay healthy. Outside of that, it's you know I like Chris Harris as a veteran, but he's getting older. I mean. They need to develop some of their talent, and maybe maybe Staley is the next Bobby Salah and, and will only you know kind of need uh, a unit and, and coach a unit more than a bunch of guys that you know uh, are maybe under undervalued players as he sees it, quote-unquote. I have the Chiefs number two. The Chiefs at number two to me because they are really efficient. They are that unit, if you will, um, that kind of plays – the style and brand of defense that their coordinator plays. And that's Steve Spagnola. I mean, he gets after it. They get after it, and they play really, really good in the secondary. They're really smart. I think uh, the two safeties and, and Tyron Matthew and Daniel Sorensen, really smart players. Even the guys on the back end that you, you may not have heard of, the guys like Juan Thornhill and Rashad Fenton and guys like that, those guys are really, really good backup players. They have depth at the position. I think their defensive line is really good, too. With Taco Charlton, Chris Jones, Jerron Reed, Frank Clark, I really like their experience. 
They are really well coached, but they do not have what the Denver Broncos have. And the Denver Broncos have a stupid secondary, a stupid secondary. And get this, Denver was 42 sacks last year. That was top 10 in the league without Von Miller. Okay? Like, Von Miller coming back is going to be massive for them. Chubb and Miller on that back end, and maybe they don't have the most talented defensive front in terms of the defensive tackles. I love Shelby Harris. I think he's a really, really good player that nobody ever talks about. I think they're going to be really hard to stop dialing up pressure, getting pressure with four, and to have the secondary that they have behind that front is really scary. I mean, really scary. I don't just love Sertan. I love the kid Jamar Johnson that they drafted out of Indiana. I love Caden Stearns that they got out of Texas. Like They drafted some really, really good secondary players to go along with Fuller to add him, to add Darby as a nickel, pay Justin Simmons out the nose because he deserves it. I mean, they are loaded. They are – and. They have the best defensive coach in this in, in this too. I mean, Spagnuolo is up there, but Fangio knows how to coach that defense. If there's going to be one thing that's going to scare them and that's going to propel them to a playoff spot, it'll be the defense. You know, Dan, I like your list better than mine. That's a, that's a great list you have there. <laughs> I thought you would. I thought you would. I didn't have the gall. I thought it would have been called a homer putting them number one. Uh, so, you know, I had to pull back a little bit. But, yeah, I, it, this defense does have – Top of the NFL potential. This could be the number one defense this year. I, I do truly believe that with the pass rush and with the, with the new secondary, the revamped secondary. I mean, all across there, all all you know, down to the nickel. If you say all five, the two two corners, two safeties, and the nickel. I mean, they are just loaded with talent. And behind them, behind one of those corners is Bryce Callahan. I know. Here too. I mean, he's, he's it, like is, the- it is like they are like a freaking thirty out six at at corner. Like, you could put a 33-round clip in those boys. Like, they're ready to go. I well, love let's, let's see. Are, are there some good offenses in this division that you need a lot of cornerbacks to stop? It seems like they, they had a little bit of a game plan on how to handle how to handle these two the two top uh, quarterbacks here. We might be number four in the quarterback uh, room here in, in this division, but number one in the secondary. What are the What is the rest of the division doing? Like, the rest of the division is not seeing all these quarterbacks that are, that are out of their mind, and Denver's the one that's like, Nah, screw the quarterback. We're getting corners. Like that's basically, you know, that's basically what they've done. And they'll pit, they'll patch it together with with Bridgewater or Locke. I mean, I don't hate it because I I do think that it's kind of thinking outside of the box. Like, hey, we got Mahomes, we got Carr and Gruden, and we got Herbert now to deal with. Like, let's just load up, and that's what they've done. I actually read an article the other day on the Athletic, and they had all their staff rank who at the end of the year will have the best defense, and the Broncos were number two on that list. So could be very exciting. Could be very shut down, loud, mile high. Like no oxygen for your offense. Like we're playing defense in mile high. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Again, you got to think about that. That's where having extra corners comes to play. It's exciting. It's very exciting. The defense is has a ton, a ton of potential. Ton of potential. I absolutely love it. Let's go to coaches really quick and finish up our AFC West positional ranking. Coaches. I'll just start really quick. I put Staley on the back end just because I don't know what Mm. he brings to the table. I know that he's getting so much hype for coach of the year, but we've talked about it time and time again. He does not have a ton of experience in coaching in the NFL. He does not. So I will be very interested to see how he does. I, I feel like I should have Gruden four, but I mean, 
Gruden is the most overrated coach in football. <laughs> He's the most overpaid, overwatched, over, you know, over, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Frank Caliendo does the impressions. He's most over. He sucks. He's, yeah, exactly. I, I knock on wood if you're with me. Like, it's just, I'm not with you. I'm knocking on a metal door. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's sorry. Sorry, John. I mean, way overrated. Fangio is number two by default. <laughs> Even like I have Fan- Fangio is number one uh, highest odds for first coach fired. So, and it's, I have him number two in this division. It just, it just shows you what's going on in this division because Andy Reid is just so far and away better than everybody else. That's my list. Yeah. I mean, I, I have Fangio in my four spot kind of for the same reason. I just think I, I do. I mean, the, the, maybe this is where being a Broncos fan, I'm going the other way where it's like <laughs> not too happy with the coaching and I can't keep that out of my, out of my rankings here, but I do have him in the four spot. I do, you know, I think he's definitely uh, deserving of those high, those high odds for being first coach fired. It just feels like a team again, that like, granted you fire him, then probably the best unit of this team, the defense is going to take a hit. Like we were just saying, you know, you need him to kind of have that, defense excel and be the difference maker for this team i was going to have gruden four as well it'd get just horrible all all name recognition no production for john gruden staley two by default because of uh, maybe i'm just being being swayed by again odds but again not as bad as us putting mike zimmer by default number one last week because we couldn't find anybody else that we liked uh but like you said i mean andy Reid clearly the number one head coach in this division but yeah that those two through four is really just kind of a a gray area in this AFC West of, of the coaching, either an old fart, a young kid that's got no experience and the most overrated head coach in the history of the NFL. It's like going through a rummage shale. Like you ever go to the, go to the uh, department <laughs> store and you see this big bucket of clothes and they're all five ninety nine, and you're just trying to pick God ah, Staley. Oh, I'll wear that, you know, Gruden. Oh my gosh, this is ugly. But you know what? I do need something like this. And Fangio, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll wear these. I'll wear these, you know, when I go to bed or something like that. You know, like it's just, it's so, it's so ridiculous. The the, the coaching, the, the Gruden shirt. This has got all holes in it. It doesn't cover anything. <laughs> I love it. it. It's it's too long for me. It's just always going long. It's just too big. Um, it's it's so it's great. I love I love this division. This division is another one that's going to be fun to watch. So that's it for the AFC West positional rankings. However, we have one more thing we want to talk about, Maddie. The lines for week one have been posted. There are a couple that are off the board in some books, but for the most part, they're all there. And in fact, if you go on Action Network right now, you could see all of them regardless of who we know who's playing and who's not. The opening night has, and it has kind of stayed this way, is Dallas plus six and a half against Tampa and the over-under being 51 and a half, which has actually gone down. But is there anything that jumps out to you just looking at the NFL regular season week one schedule? There are some things here that I'm like, huh, like I could probably go through this entire list of games and pick something out that I may or may not lean toward. Well, if we want to stick with maybe picking one of these AFC West teams right away, the one o'clock game, the Chargers at Washington, Washington, a plus one home dog week one with. What was maybe one of the best defenses in the league last year? Now with a what should be a better quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick versus that horrible situation they had last year with Haskins and Heineke and Alex Smith. So, you know, Washington at home as a dog week one against a team that I think is maybe a little overrated. I like that for sure. I will bet against the Houston Texans. I will bet on. I will bet take the Jaguars minus three. 
and, and, and take them with Trevor Lawrence in their opener against just a team that's going to roll over and die. Wow. And, then, and, and then the other team that we hate this year, Detroit Lions given seven and a half at home to a team in San Francisco that I think is just going to be so good and so disciplined this year. They are going to run their offense and their defense so well against that team week one. I just I would happily give seven and a half points on the road with San Fran. Wow. That is shocking. We're going against the home dogs this year. Well, no, 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 no. We're going against the Lions this year. I think by week four, week five, the Lions and the Texans are both going to be teams that are minus 14 on a weekly basis. They're both going to be, you know I mean? We're we're ahead of the game. It's like, we know these teams are going to be bad. Like just get them early because these lines, they're going to be huge, huge underdogs going forward. Massive underdogs, uh, especially against some of the better teams. Um, the one I disagree with you, I don't hate the Washington one. I really kind of am interested in that just because they're getting points at home. It's plus one, um, maybe against a better team. Maybe look at the, you know, you said offenses would be better. The defense of Washington is really good, but their offense might be better. 44 and a half. It's a low number with that one, but I digress. One I disagree with you on, um, there's always a surprise in week one. Always. Last year, we had Washington beating Philadelphia at home. Last year, we had the Jaguars winning the only game of the regular season that they won was at home against the Colts in week one. Uh, I think Houston could be a surprise. I think Houston to play a team with a rookie quarterback and a first-year head coach, I think that could be a surprise. And to keep that within three against Jacksonville's not very good. They're not a very good team. And I know Houston's very bad, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston was able to maybe keep that game close. So I'm looking at that game. I'm looking at some other ones here, just kind of going down the line. That giant Denver game I kind of mentioned to you before is kind of interesting with the over-under being very low at 42 and a half. And it's tempting to maybe possibly take the under in that game, especially if Saquon does not play, which sounds like that may happen, that he may miss the first game of the year. I mean, am I not going to take the under in the Bears-Rams game for the third straight year? Like, I feel like I have to do that. Sunday night, like, I know these teams. I know Stafford is in now, and Chicago's got a new quarterback and everything. I just feel like I have to. Under 45, like, it hit both times the last two years, and I have to take it again. So that one that one kind of interests me a lot. And, you know, obviously, this being the same game as it was last year, Patriots-Dolphins in Foxborough was week one last year. Pats were six-and-a-half-point favorites last year and won by 10. Now they're two-and-a-half-point favorites with a better team. Getting the hook at home against Miami gives me some pleasure. Let's put it that way. So that's just a couple things I'm looking ahead towards. That was definitely one I was looking at, but I, I do love the fact that we both just like we made, we made picks in the worst week one game possible. Like all of these games that we're looking at, and we're talking about two teams that will probably not have a total of seven wins combined at the end of the year. Like we we talk about the Jaguars and the Texans right now, but yeah, I, I also do like again. You have uh, that that pass right under that three number does make it very interesting. That's a great call by you saying, you know, how they were six and a half point favorites. You know, a Pats team that should have a far better defense than they even had last year. This one, talk about the next ugliest game now that we're saying it because we have to talk about it. Philly and Atlanta. Atlanta giving three and a half points at home. I think you got to take Atlanta there. I think that that's a great time for Arthur Smith maybe to break out some some serious offense and like – What's Philly going to do on offense on their side? I just, I don't think, I know that Jalen Hurts is there, but I think they're going to need some serious time before they even get anything going with that team offensively. And their defense isn't going to be any good either. So 
I just think that the offense could get going for them, but I think week one, I, I would like Atlanta there in that three and a half with given that especially three and a half especially it's it's a place where Philadelphia has had nightmare finishes. They've they've won a lot of games against Atlanta, but they've also had some games when they go to Atlanta that are not good. So that's interesting, and I think Sirianni just I mean I'm not uh, you put two rookie head coaches against each other, and then you look at the rest of the roster. It's like. Yeah, Atlanta may not have a great defense, but Philly is really not very good on offense at all. And they might be able to string it together with some of their defensive line, but I do agree with you. I think Atlanta, even though you're looking at three and a half and that might scare you, I do like that. What do you think of this? What do you think of Cincinnati getting three points at home against the Vikings? Oh, man, I... You know we are going to be all over the cats early. We like we like them too much to be getting to be getting a key number at home. Like we're we're above we're at a three. We're not even a two and a half. Like as much as I want to lock this in right now, I've seen too many Carson Wentz injuries to to know like we can't bet things too early before the preseason. But man, if that stays the same, we're you, you got to think, I guess, after uh, after week three of the preseason, it'd probably be pretty safe as long as we know Joe Burrow makes it out alive. Then, yeah, I could see that being on both of our tickets uh, come week one. And, and then if, if we wanted to mention two more games, uh, it's got to be the two. Kind of, they're not the primetime games, which it doesn't make any sense, but both these two are very primetime games. Uh, you have the Browns at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are laying six points at home. And then you've got Green Bay going to New Orleans – uh, with who knows who starting uh, for the for the Aints and the Saints are giving two and a half. Do you like anything in either of those games? Those kind of big prime time games. Yeah, I think this one is going to be one where I I probably am off the Green Bay New Orleans game. I don't know what to expect. I expect Rodgers to be very good. I expect that team to be right off where they left off. I don't know what to expect with New Orleans, especially with two and a half. That game kind of throws me for a loop with them traveling down there, what kind of fans will be down there. I do like Cleveland. I, I do think that mm. Cleveland, uh, you know, even though they are traveling to Kansas City, I think that when Kansas City kind of opens the season, again, I would rather take kind of a dog that – Cleveland, I think, is closer than six points to Kansas City. Like, I really do believe that. I, I think they have the talent there to continue what they did last year and and play that team close I think that game will be a close game I, I six points I mean I feel like I've been meaning to talk about this I don't know why Kansas City is the favorite to win the Super Bowl uh, I think Tampa clearly is better than them. I think it's clear and I think people are overrating Kansas City in that regard I don't think that they should be overrated in the sense that they shouldn't be favorites to win the AFC I think they should although I think the AFC is closer than what the bookmakers are are giving them credit for. I don't think they should be favorites to win the Super Bowl. I just, I don't. And I think that Cleveland is, again, I might get it be getting, it's the vortex. The vortex is sucking me in in Cleveland again. Like this is going to be the theme all year long. It's, it's, it's going to be that team that I hated the year before that I love now. But Cleveland, I think is much closer to Kansas city than people think they are. So I would definitely lean Cleveland plus six. You know, my first inclination on that game was, I, you know, take the chiefs, but you are you are correct in saying that like the Chiefs don't ever don't usually come out of the gate like super hot unless they again they've played like the Raiders in week one a couple times and then they put up forty two on them because that's what they're going to do every time that they play against the Raiders. But it does feel like you know if you're talking about week one, this team of the Chiefs where you know I don't want to say they're not going to be hungry. It is their first you know it's their, they're playing they're opening at home in their first game of the season, but. 
that's a team that just has their eyes at the Super Bowl. It's it's like, like I said, past two AFC championship games versus Stefanski probably coming out and having this Browns team with these super high expectations, like raring and ready to go to take on the Chiefs week one. Chiefs are talking about a perfect season. Like this could be the week one stun where the Chiefs start 0-1. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that take. That, that that could be the stunning game. I mean, do we not remember that the Chiefs did not cover for like eight weeks in a row last right. year? I mean, people forgot about that. So, you know, to me, I think it's a good time to go back, look at some of these games that happened last year, see the differences in the rosters, and kind of uh, take inventory from last year's uh, kind of picks. I can just remember, and I was was texting you the other night about this as I was flying home, I just said, man, we made some dumb picks (laughs) just because we have live tilts and betting against home dogs and uh, that had huge lines. We were taking like teams that had ten point lines last year. I mean, I, I one that just sticks out in my mind is I think somebody took like Minnesota getting ten points at home against the Jags, and Jags end up taking them to overtime. And it was like, who takes a ten point line like that with a team that's not even going to make the playoffs? I mean, it's 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 just things like that that I'm looking at. I'm trying to remember in my mind and hold them there as much as I can, because in the moment you get super emotional. So that's why we're doing this right now. So we can take a look at the lines four weeks from today and be like, okay, this is what it was. Now this is what it is. And adjust accordingly, you know? Yeah, no, see, we're we're reviewing our own tape. We are in the lab reviewing our own tape. We are trying to get better. Uh, We will definitely recap what we did last season Dan smoked me as far as picks last season. Um, I need to get back to my 2019 ways where I was leading the leader in the clubhouse. But we are getting, we are reviewing the tape. We are trying to get better for, with our picks this year, uh, which is really what the show is about. It's really where we started the show was to to give our picks. So we have to be better if this is going to be a picks show. But, but you're telling me. 60% 2019 down to what, 35% last oh, year? Oh, wow. Well, I was like 42. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm over-exaggerating. But hey, I'm just saying, we got to be better. And we're doing that. This is the process. Trust the – oh, shoot, I can't say that anymore. Mm, that didn't work. It doesn't work anymore, does it, Lewis? Um, I can, we're working on it that way. I promise. I promise. That's going to do it for this week. Maddie. any final thoughts before we say goodbye? We're doing the NFC West, and then we're done with positional rankings, and we're getting into fantasy. And just in a couple weeks, we're going to do the full schedule breakdown and make our picks, futures, divisionals, records of all the teams in the NFL. I am so, so excited. My, my only final thought is that you just made me look at week one lines and I still have to wait a month for football. Like I, like, again, like I'm, I'm ready to just like start firing away and I just, we have a month still. So now you're going to get me betting on preseason football, which nobody wants to do. We don't want to bet on preseason football. We have to, we have to save the live bullets until the regular season. As the great William Wallace said, just keep hold, hold, <laughs> hold, hold in Braveheart. God bless Mo Gibson. Um, Lewis, thank you so much again for your contributions to everything you do. Thanks for having me, buddy. Love You're welcome. You Love to get done. I feel like I haven't heard your voice on the show in a couple of weeks. That's why. Yeah, it's all right. Listen, we've been loving a little USA basketball. We got the dub. That ain't no problem. You know, what'd you expect? USA coming out on top, men and women, gold medals around. What are you going to do? We're the best. We stay hot. We don't, we, we, ne- we never don't get hot. 
We're always hot here in America. Basketball and golf, men and women. Let's oh, go. Check it out. Oh, yeah, golf too. Right. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, like you knew. Fantastic. I love it. Olympics over. U.S. storming back on the Chinese to get the most golds. Uh, amazing. And the most medals. Amazing. Uh, by the way, I loved swimming. I don't know about you guys. Swimming was like Caleb Dressel. That guy's tank. That guy was moving water around a couple of weeks ago. I love that guy. Four, but, four uh, by 100 is so electric. Racing, you know, track, track and swimming. Track and swimming. If you didn't watch, if you didn't watch the canoeing and the kayaking, whatever, whatever, it, that is electric. It is. Oh, it is absolutely electric. All the, the Olympics, really, but truly, that you know, I like me a little table tennis too. But you know, come on. The table tennis was good. The speed canoeing was insane. Yes. I mean, yes. that that girl, whoever that girl was, like tank. Do not mess with me. If I get an oar flying on my head from that girl, I am dead. Like that's scary stuff. Scary. Did, stuff. Did, I, this we're going on a tangent about the Olympics now, but did you guys see marathon swimming? These people were in the water for an hour and forty five minutes. The but the best part, the best part of marathon swimming is to get water and Gatorade or whatever to them. They literally are. There's coaches holding out a pool noodle with the flag of the country on the end, and they just have to grab it while they're in their water, and they do like a one handed backstroke, drink the water, and just throw it back. But there's like a giant pool noodle. It was I watched. Almost the whole two hours of it. That is incredible. That is incredible. I, I got to go back and watch some of that. Um, maybe even try it out. Maybe next year in the summer when we're not busy uh, and, and things have died down from the season, we will do our own Sunday card Olympics and see who can do it. Uh, look, I, I'm only qualified for a beer Olympics. I don't know about I anything thought, other than that. I'll be, we'll be throwing Miller lights to you. Don't worry. So you can I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, he's always ready. He's never not ready. Lewis. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen to us on Sports Country Radio every Saturday, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m., and again on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, for 11 Pepper, Lou Paracone, our esteemed producer, and for Matty Ice, Matty C. Matt Silberth, I'm Dan Zampano. We'll be back next week previewing the NFC Western Division, and maybe a fun couple of other things to throw around in the old pool that is the NFL and the gambling world. We'll see you next week. We thank you for listening to the Sunday Card. <laughs>